it's time to talk about who I am in terms of my own powerful and innate qualities, like who you are outside of like accolades and titles and other brands. And I asked myself this question, like what if the most powerful brand I could steward is the Shelly Paxton brand? What if that's the most iconic brand I could ever represent in my life? And same for you, Brian, and same for anybody else who's listening to this. What if that's the most important work I could ever do is represent my own personal brand? Here's what I wrote. I said, I am beautiful. I am soul. I am soft. I am funny. I am love. I am strength. I am integrity. I am courage. I am bold. I am brilliant. I am a rebel. I am a role model. I am a trailblazer. I am uniquely and authentically me. I am living my best life. And then the next morning I continued. I am not the shape of my body. I am not the titles I held. I am not the things that I did. I am not the mistakes that I made. I am not the appointments on my calendar. I am not the stories in my head. I am not the validation or judgment of others. I am me, and I am enough. That's Shelley Paxton, and I'm Brian Falchuk. This is Do A Day. You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers, welcome back for another episode of Do A Day. I have a very cool and rebellious soul on the show today. I have Shelly Paxson with me, who is the author of the book Soul Sabbatical, right? Soul plus sabbatical. How do you take time off to actually dig in for yourself and understanding yourself and who your soul actually is? Instead of the busyness, the struggle, the path, the striving that we all tend to engage in, even when we're taking time to focus on ourselves, so often it's full of stuff and activities that keep us busy instead of allowing us the space to engage. And that was Shelley's career. She was super successful, became the chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson after a career with lots of blue chip brand names that everyone would know, you know, like McDonald's and others. And then she just kind of recognized, like, what am I doing? Who am I living this life for? Am I doing things that are in connection with my soul, with my being? And she did something really radical and rebelled not against what she was doing, but for what she should be doing. And that nuance, that difference of rebelling against versus rebelling for is at the heart of so much of what we talk about, this internal journey, which is what you rebel for versus rebelling against the external and figuring out that that doesn't even matter. It's about you. Beautiful conversation with someone who has lived through the struggle to really understand it and does a great job spreading that wealth of self-investment that we all need. So let's jump in to this episode with Shelly Paxton. Shelly Paxton, thank you so much for joining me. This is great to make this happen finally. I am so happy to be here. Yes, finally. That's We've been trying, word. yeah, since pre-COVID. Like it only took a pandemic for us to find the space. And shout out to the ridiculously, I just said this before, like how do you call them together? The ridiculously human humans is. 
um, Craig and Gareth for making this connection. Yes. Thanks you guys. Amazing. And I'm glad you and I have connected around our, well, we've connected around our dreams. We've shared yeah. dreams. Yeah, very we much needed so. to be connected. And the listeners won't know this, but I think we've spent, uh, actually like 20 minutes already just talking and being like, we should probably record this at some point, but totally hitting it off. So this will be not that my other episodes aren't great too, but this will be an especially good one. Um, so give us a little bit of overview of what's going on in Shelly's world these days, and then we will build into what got you to that. Yeah. So, well, these days sounds very specific around the pandemic, but I think we're thinking bigger yeah, than let's, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's transcend. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Let's transcend. So, yeah. So I am, I like to call myself a liberator of souls. So I am an author, a speaker, a liberator of souls, which also means a transformational coach. So a big part of my world and the way I make my living is in coaching people who want to live and lead more authentically, courageously, and purposefully. And I like to talk about it in terms of rebelling. So, you know, a big part of my story that I know we'll get into, and, and it's even part of the subtitle of my book, is about being a rebel. And the mm. book talks about me as a corporate rebel. But the reality is, I spent a lot of my life rebelling against, you know, pretty much everything, right? The tr tradition and my parents and religion and authority and you name it. And I, as I've been on this journey since leaving corporate America three and a half years ago, I have realized the power in rebelling for. Hmm. There's a superpower that I think we can all, we can all awaken the rebel within and figure out and rebel for who we are, what we want, and the impact that we want to have in the world. Yeah. And so that's honestly, that's the mission I'm on, is to help people understand what that is for them and to... Um, you know, liberate their souls. I say I'm on a mission to liberate a billion souls and I can't do that That's on awesome. my own. So I want the, you know, the ripples to become the wave that become, you know, the, the tsunami of change. I always find these little turn of phrases, like switch one word and it's, it like knocks you on your butt, you know, like mm -hmm. that when you said that, I was like, whoa, that's like about a movement instead of getting hit by or like people always say, you should always go to your next job, not from your last one. Yes. Um, well, like, why should your life be any different? And, you know, it's like it's a set up, not a set back. Like, okay, one word change. We're talking about Cornell Thomas. Like, he's got things like that, too, where it's like you flip one word and it forces you to rethink the position of it. Yeah, um, I love so that perspective powerful. shift. Yeah. Yeah, that Rebel 4. I mean, that was one that was earth shattering for me. And I went, oh. When you rebel against, it's like, honestly, I was just beating my head against the brick wall yeah. constantly, right? So it's exhausting. And when you think about rebel for, it's spacious, it's free, yeah. it's empowering. It's like, and it is looking forward, yeah. right? So yeah, that whole rebel for has changed my life. And I'm working with others to help change theirs because rebel for is also like helping me find my purpose, my calling, my mission. And I do, I really, really do work with people. And I want to do more work with people and companies yeah. who want to have an impact in this world to use that, that as a force for change and a force for good. Yeah. It's like the difference between, um, living your life defined by the things you don't want. Like, I know what I don't want in life. Okay, yes. well, what do you actually want? Like, rebel fours, you need to know where you're going. You need to have that forward movement. And I think that's probably the hardest part, right, is for people to figure out what is it they actually want or care about. 
Yeah. Well, what's so interesting in that is like it, it, it brings up for me this other distinction, which is, you know, usually when you're talking about, you know, what I want or what I don't want, it's things on the outside, yes. right? It's sort yeah. of like external versus internal. And what I love about Rebel 4 is it comes from this place. Like I'm pointing right now to like my heart and my soul. It's coming from there. So it's like, you know, with anything, you know, what's what Viktor Frankl said, right? With a powerful why, you can endure any how, right? You can endure anything. And so I think that powerful why is what it keeps me going. And so Rebel 4 is a powerful why. We need, we need to get into more of where this came from. And I have to say, not to spoil your story, but one of the things I'm left with when you use the word rebel is when you talked about working in corporate America, you weren't working in like financial services or insurance. You were working at Harley Davidson, like rebel, like, you know, leather and beards. Okay, maybe not. You Maybe you didn't have a beard, but, you know, oh, the, <laughs> but like the, the image of it is not. It's not like clean cut. You need to fit into it, but maybe it is, but it doesn't feel that way at all. You're working at a brand that is very much about like hardcore Americana. Yeah, it's so interesting. So that was the last six and a half years of my 26 year corporate career. So mm. I had been at all these different iconic brands from McDonald's, Visa, AOL. I'd worked in, you know, on the agency side. I've worked at the publisher. I've done so many different things. And then I ended up, there are many, you know, sort of, you know, uh, the, the peaks and valleys of life. I, one of the, um, the valleys for me was an epic divorce. And mm. so after that divorce, you know, I felt the need to kind of like reestablish myself. I wanted to be the badass rebel Shelly Paxton again. Yeah. And of course, Harley comes knocking on my door. Honestly, it's like manifesting this stuff. Wild. Harley comes knocking on my door through somebody I had worked with many, many years ago in the in the agency business. And he said, I need you to help me create the global marketing organization and ultimately brought up there. So Harley was also a reinvention for me. It was mm. like me talk about awaken the rebel within. It was me kind of reestablishing, even though I probably wasn't listening to my soul at that time because it would have told me to do something different. Yeah. It was for me an incredible opportunity to say, Yes. So I literally, I mean, very literally got on the iron horse and rolled the th throttle and went like I learned how to ride. I got on a motorcycle and I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, that's awesome. Badass Shelly is back. And yeah. so yeah, that was the beginning of that chapter. And you're right. That's exactly what it is. I thought there's there's a thread that goes through my entire corporate career. And the thread is while I was on a traditional path. And while for all intents and purposes, I was kind of on my dad's path and really chasing my dad's dream because he was a very successful uh, executive, I was always trying to do it my own way yeah. and the rebel way. So I was like, yes, send me to Istanbul, Turkey, where I'm going to go basically build the McDonald's business. Send me all around the world to the places people don't want to go. You know, I was, I was building, you know, helping build the McDonald's business in India and learning about what vegetarian McDonald's means. I was always doing it differently. I was like, send me to Shanghai where I can help repair the, you know, repair our business over there. I was always doing the thing that was Yes, corporate and always different. And yeah. Harley felt like the continuation of that. Interesting. Well, all right. When you said McDonald's in India, then I wanted to go down this whole path about some of the controversy they had in the, I think, the 90s around their food prep and their ingredients in a country that's 
overwhelmingly Hindu has a different relationship to cattle and beef than good old USA. But that's a different podcast. Maybe we'll we'll have you on that one another time suffice when I start. Suffice it. It to say, suffice it to say, they had they ended up having separate kitchens. Yeah, yeah, and very because the '90s is exactly when I was there because I lived in Istanbul from '96 to 2000, and India was part of my territory. And so, yeah, they solved it with having two kitchens so they could they could honor that. Yeah, but yeah, that's the short version. Well, that's interesting. All right, that's yeah. like it's, it's not what this show is about, but I'm a business guy at heart, and so then I get all yeah. interested in the oh. story. Anyway, um, so that's interesting. It's like there were shoots of rebellion springing up, but still within the context of success, corporate job at a storied brand that if someone looked at your resume, they'd be like, wow, look at look at this progression. Like it made sense. The story fit. So you're rebelling and not rebelling. Right. I, I, I yes. get that. So wh- how does how does that play out then and, and lead to you ultimately leaving Harley. Yeah. So, you know, as, as happens with many of us, I was ignoring that little voice inside me. I was, um, you know, usually the voice whispers and then it shouts and then it conspires with the universe to grab you by the lapels or smack you with a two by four to the solar plexus. And that's what ended up happening to me. And as I wrote the book and I looked back, I realized there were many points in time where I was making decisions that were out of alignment with who I am. And I was making decisions about um, you know, I call it shooting all over myself, right? I was saying I should do this versus I want to do this. I get to do this. And every time I was making a should decision in my life, I would get sick or something bad would happen. But I was just soldiering on, you know, I was a warrior. I was figuring it all out. And then I get to Harley and Mm. about my last year in that six and a half years, I started having a horrible nightmare. And that nightmare was ripping me out of my sleep like five nights a week. And the nightmare was essentially showing me, I don't know how deep you want to get into this. I can, I can talk about the nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was, and this still like makes, even as I start to talk about it, it makes my hair stand on end. Um, so what I was seeing in this nightmare, I was being pulled deep into this place that looked like the apartment that I lived in up in Milwaukee, where, where, um, Carly corporate headquarters is. And yet I would look around, I would see like a few familiar things, but I had that sense of like, there's been a murder here, or there's going to be a murder here. It was like, you know, it's almost like a Hollywood scene where it's like something very bad has happened or is about to happen. And I would be pulled by this invisible force down a hallway that didn't exist in that apartment. And then I would see a doorway that didn't exist in that apartment. And I would open that doorway. It's like all of this was like, I wasn't even in control of my body anymore. It was just happening. And it would reveal to me a room that was dark, barren, chilly, like bone, like bone crushing chilly and no windows, no decor, no life. And across the room, I would always see this little, the outline of a small utility closet. And I knew that, that I could see the outline because it was like a flickering old, um, clearly there was like an old light inside, like a single dangling, you know, little light bulb that was flickering. And so I went over and I got curious and I opened that door. And what I would see every single time is my dog who had passed six years prior at the end of my divorce. And I see that he's actually still alive. 
and he's laying there. He was a fat little roly-poly pug named Mocha. Mm. And I would see that Mocha was alive, but barely. He was whimpering. He couldn't move. He couldn't lift his head. All of his pudgy wrinkles were now just, you know, this kind of cloak on the floor. And he was dying, essentially. And at that moment, like, I would grab him. I would cradle him. I would kiss his little velvet ears. I would tell him, I'm so sorry. I didn't know he was still alive. And then, boom. I would be ripped out of my sleep. I'd wake up. I was bawling and soaking wet. And I had this, like I said, like five nights a week. I am, and I would wake up and just say, what kind of careless monster am I? I didn't know what was reality, what wasn't reality. I'm like, is my dog actually still alive somewhere? Am I really this careless monster that could have a living being in her protection and yet forget to protect him and nurture him and take care? of him. And what I realized, like as this went on and on, it was really messing with my head. It was messing with my sleep. It was, it was kind of pushing me to my edge. And I finally went to a doctor and I ended up having a long conversation with, um, a, uh, Harley's actually Harley had a really great executive physical program with a doctor who really practiced more integrative medicine. And so he listened to me and he said, all right, we've got some work to do here and I need you to start meditating. And so he, he was the first person who introduced me to meditating. Here I am 45 years old. Of course I, you know, I was like, well, yogis meditate. Like, yeah. you know, us corporate people don't meditate. Of course, this is what I thought at the time. Right. And I started meditating and it was through that daily practice of just learning to sit down for 10 to 15 minutes a day that I started to unravel and unveil the true meaning of this nightmare. And I started to hear and see these messages and they said, acknowledge me, nurture me, listen to me, love me. And I realized that seeing Mocha was actually a proxy for seeing my soul. And my soul was screaming for my attention for me to understand how out of alignment and how far from my truth, I was actually living in that moment. That is an incredibly intense dream. And then the fact that you did so much with it, because I think a lot of people have, have these uh, kind of these wake up potentials. Yeah. And if they tell someone, depending who they tell, they may get the like, oh, that's weird. You, you know, like, oh, it sounds, you know, you're, but your dog's been dead forever. So whatever, you know, they, it's kind of the blow off or you don't tell anyone because you don't want to be weird. Um, yeah. Or you feel shame, right? You feel shame. Sh- yes. I feel, I felt some shame around it too. And I, I actually say this in the book. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I was like, I didn't actually talk about it to anyone, not even my sister for months. And then I was finally like, this is destroying me. And even worse than that, I had already been trying to numb myself with wine every single night. Now I'm like doubling my intake of wine because I'm trying to incapacitate a nightmare. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to end up absolutely just crushing my own health. So I have, I want to choose health. And I had already been through suicide attempts and other things that are in my book and, and, and earlier in my story around my divorce. And I was like, no, I've, I've chosen to live. I've yeah. chosen to live and I need to choose to come out of this and really dig deep and unravel it. And I'm glad I did because it was the first breadcrumb that led to the journey that I'm on now still three and a half years later. That's awesome. 
um, oh, there was something you were saying that just sparked this thought in me that I wanted to dig on. Um, and I totally lost it because I have to say like bad host of me, I'm, I'm kind of losing myself in your story because it, it like, it's really hard not to just kind of picture yourself. Cause I think we've all had similar, I won't say the same, but similar or relative to our experience moments, whether it's from a dream or whatever. And we feel shame and don't, I think you're spot on for calling that out. Um, I know what it was. Uh, so I was going to give myself a, an out for not remembering because I, I am lost in the story because I'm just sort of like taken right there. But your point about the numbing, um, just this morning I was listening to the news and, and we're recording this in early June. I have no clue when it's coming out some point in, in the next couple months. So um, who knows what the numbers will look like. But um, Q1, uh, Q, Q2, I guess maybe through May alcohol sales are up 27% year over year in the U S so as people, so the, the news article was like, Americans are self-medicating by drinking a lot. Like this is from the news. They're like a lot making a judgment on it, but that's 27% increase in alcohol consumption. Um, when frankly buying alcohol is tougher than it used to be. Like the legalities are still the same, but like you got to mask up and reduced hours and you know, whatever else, like, it's not like, it's even easier to get it now. I don't know, maybe delivery is is more an option, yeah. but like you have to be trying. It's like purposefully mindful, mindlessly. Yeah, um, it is. And I'll, I'll tell you, they're making it really easy here in Chicago. And I imagine this is happening in, in at least many urban areas in the country. And I think some of my local places are seeing probably hundred percent increase in sales. There's a there's a a local place that now has curbside delivery mm. or sorry, curbside pickup. So it's completely contactless, mm -hmm. um, no contact delivery. And then there's the delivery delivery. And then there's the in-store pickups. So they do all the shopping for you. I honestly uh, think Brian, they're trying to make this so easy yeah. because they're also recognizing that this is how people are escaping their yeah. anxiety and worry and uncertainty of the moment. Yeah. And yet I'm also, and believe me, I actually caught myself in this because I quit drinking for a long time and then I'm like, I love wine. So every now and again, you know, I would could be become an occasional wine drinker. Yeah. And at the beginning of this pandemic, I noticed I was like, fine, I would go to that place and I'd be like, I'd buy six bottles. And I'm like, wait a second, what am I doing? Yeah. I'm getting caught up in this cycle all over again. And I, I just called myself out on it and I stopped. Yeah. But it's hard to do because it, it is, is, yeah, it's yeah. a default mechanism. Yeah. Um we, you know, I think busyness. And drinking are two of our biggest numbing agents. Yeah. You know, as a culture, I think we're we're addicted to busyness and we wear it as a badge of honor. And that's one gift that I hope is coming out of this pandemic is that people slow down and realize the beauty and the magic in slowing down yeah. and, and getting off the treadmill going that fast. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the oof, the alcohol sales thing is a tough one, right? It is. Or, yeah. I think we're starting to learn how to spend time with ourselves and enjoy that time. But there's, I mean, listen, I mean, you know, there's streaming. <laughs> it's like, I wish I owned, uh, you know, stock in, in Netflix yeah. right now because that's what I've done pretty doing. well. Yeah. It's, it is really interesting though. So, um, a few people that I coach have had, you know, really tough moments from a panic standpoint of late and their default is, you know, let me just grab my phone and I'm just going to like, I just need to do something mindless to take my mind off it. And all that's happening is the panic is still spinning versus 
and this is really hard to do, but your path with meditation, um, and we need to get into the whole sabbatical thing. So we, we should we should move on from this. But I think it's really critical. Is that's the tougher path, facing it and doing the purposeful action, especially in the moments, not being a fair weather friend, but being there for yourself when it is really tough and you want to just self-medicate. Um, those are the moments when you need to do it even more. And yes, it's harder, but that's when you need yourself more than anything. And I, I think exactly like, right. yeah, we get lost in this too easily, understandably, well, is, but too easily. Yeah. When we, I call it reconnecting to or finding your soul signal, right? When we aren't numbing and we're able to connect with ourselves deeply, that's what's going to help us weather the storm. That little voice and that instinct is what is going to guide us through any storm, pandemic and otherwise. And yet we're so disconnected from that voice in so many cases because we just push it down. It's often an inconvenient truth. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are important things. Those are important things to do. And actually that's the perffect bridge into sabbatical because Let's do it. that was my, yeah. that was honestly my realization when I went, Oh my God, I'm living completely out of my truth. And yet I was scared out of my mind because to realize that your truth is something different than you had known for 26 years, that you were highly compensated for, that you've been climbing to the top of this mountain. It's like, you know, but who am I, right? My entire identity was wrapped up in my, these sexy brands that I was stewarding in, you know, a big paycheck in an awesome title in, you know, the panache of, you know, being like the corporate chick in high heels and skinny jeans and leather, you know, all the things. And I realized that it's like, okay, well, if that's not my truth, then what is? And not having the answer to that was even scarier. And so it really forced me to go inside and, and do a lot of work unraveling my identity and understanding who I am and what is my essence, what is my truth outside of all of those things that I've, um, you know, I guess hung on to for so long. So, yeah, that was the beginning of realizing like, oh, you know, actually sabbatical isn't about going to amazing places around the world. And to be honest, I did travel and I talk about that in the book. And I thought yeah. that was actually going to be my remedy because I've lived all over the world. I have wanderlust. I'm a big traveler. I consider myself a global citizen. And at the same time, I was like, yeah, if I go to these exotic places, then it's going to help me do this work. And yeah. what I realized is like, well, the power of place can feed your soul, but it can't fix it. That's oh. our work to do. And yeah. that's when I suddenly realized it's like, oh, this is hard work. Yeah. Right? Because it's not going to happen for you outside. It's really, really slowing down and tuning in and doing oh, yeah. the inner work that, you know, both of us talk a lot about and yeah. coach a lot about. A hundred percent. So so how did you begin on that journey? Like you you had the meditation tools, you had some of those things in place, but you took it so much further than that. So how did it start to come together for you? And and I'm kind of curious, like, how did you know where to go with it? Or did you? <laughs> the short answer is I had no idea. And, you know, I left, so I, I, I knew I got my affairs in order. You know, I'd had this, I called it my FU fund. Um, it's a good fun to have. When I got divorced, I was yeah. kind of like FU to my ex-husband and FU to anything less than total fulfillment in the future. Yeah. And so that became sort of this little cushion that I realized, like, as that was growing in the time that I was at Harley, 
that was going to be enough to kind of keep me alive for a year if I chose to take a year off. And I said, I'm going to go on this journey, but there was no blueprint. This is part of the reason why I wrote this book, because yeah. not that there's one blueprint. There's as many flavors of soldatical as there are humans in this world. But for me, it was like, maybe I'm being called to kind of like carry the torch into the cave and understand what this is like, because who leaves the, you know, a sexy corporate job for a big question mark. Yeah. And that's essentially what I did. And so I just said, keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I decided to travel and start to see like what lessons were revealed as I was traveling. And so as an example, like the first place I went, I was so many synchronicities started to happen. And honestly, I will say like, just by creating the intention and taking a tiny step in the direction of I'm going to understand me and I'm going to reconnect with my soul, the universe started just flinging doors open for me. You know, oftentimes it is, it's like every badass accomplishment is a series of tiny steps. Just set the intention and take one tiny step yeah. toward that intention. I mean, it's very much the do a day philosophy, right? It's like, it doesn't yeah. have to be huge and overwhelming, but it's like one day at a time. And honestly, that's how I approached sabbatical as well. And so one day at a time, I was like, okay, I got a call from an old friend who's like, oh, we actually bought a chateau and refurbished it in France, not far from the coast near La Rochelle. And we would love for you to start your sabbatical here. And so I land in France like three weeks later and I'm like, oh my gosh, the pace of life. It's slow. It moves with the sun. Yeah, We're really eating different. fresh food from the garden. We're physically preparing it ourselves and we're sitting down to a dinner and conversation and connection. And so all of these things started to happen where I was like, okay, this was lesson number one. Lessons number one and two were slow down yeah. and let go. And I just kept going from there. So we kind of follow, I'd be like, okay, so the first thing I need to do because when I first left Harley, the only thing I knew was how to fill a fill an agenda to how to fill my diary. Yeah. Was like, so I was creating busyness for myself because I was scared to sit down and really listen. And so I realized when I was in France and then flying back home, I was like, oh, okay. No more busyness. And that phrase that was your favorite phrase, I used to always say, I'm crazy busy. When somebody yeah. would ask me, It's like how a point I of pride. Am, oh, it was 100% pride. Like I said earlier, it was a complete badge of honor. I wore it and I know so many people still wear it. And yeah. I'm like, nope. I remember writing in my journal and I put this in the book as well. I was like, you will never again use the phrase crazy busy. And if you catch yourself using the phrase, ask yourself why mm. and what's wrong mm. and how am I going to shift this? And so there were some cool things. And then from there, I ended up going on to spend the winter in New Zealand. I actually went, I went to New Zealand for three weeks and I came back over two months later. I found my spirit land and New Zealand is actually where I ended up doing the really hard work. And I had a, like a backbreaking treasure trove of like personal development books in my, yeah. in my, um, in my backpack and in my luggage, because I was determined to find a little I was traveling for, with a girlfriend for about three weeks and then she went home and I went, I can't go home. This is my time to do the work that I've been avoiding. And I know that New Zealand is the place for me to do that. And so why actually, 
this is, I felt it in my, I literally at a cellular level, I don't know how else to explain. You know, you land someplace. I don't know if you've had this experience, but you land someplace and you're like, this feels familiar. Yeah. I had never been to New Zealand before. It had always been on my dream list. And, you know, honestly, I'd never had, I never took enough time, not had enough time. I never took enough time off to go down there because you really, it needs to be three weeks. Yeah. So I just can't explain it, Brian. Like I landed and I was like, oh, this is my place. And then as my friend Carrie and I got deeper and deeper into it, I was like, I have more work to do because I felt myself opening up. I mean, this is, this is the honest answer in hindsight. I felt myself opening up. It was like all of the, the channels of like my creativity and my writing were blocked. I had said at the very beginning of my sabbatical, the only things that I know are that I'm going to follow three of my passions and see where they lead. And maybe those will be the breadcrumbs to my self-discovery. And those three passions were travel, writing, and photography. And those things were what were guiding me. And so I knew I wanted to start writing in New Zealand and I felt it. So as soon as Carrie left, Mm -hmm. I just grabbed a car and I started driving around the South Island and I knew I wanted to get back to the North Island and find a little seaside cottage and just lock myself up and start writing and just see whatever was going to come out of me or through me and just literally like unkink that creative hose And that's what happened. And even funnier, and this is so relevant for the moment we're all living through right now, or it doesn't matter when, we're all going to remember the pandemic, right? Even if this airs many, many months later, I get to back to the North Island about four four hours north of Auckland in this little area called the Bay of Islands. And I find this little sea, I find this little seaside cottage is incredible on this Maori land. And I'm in this little cottage that is steps from the water. I just literally cross across a little private road. I'm on the beach in the water. I can see the dolphins. I would swim out there every day. I'm like in this magical place. I'm like, this is where it's all going to happen. Maybe I'm even starting to write my book here. And I get there, I check into this place. And there is an epic monsoon like the region had never seen. Like, Trees were sideways. People were barricaded in their houses. You literally couldn't go outside because of the force of the rain and the winds and everything happening. And it happened for five days. So basically, this was the universe saying to me, you know what, Shelly? Now is the time to do the work because you can't go outside. You can't do all of those other things like all your hiking and everything that I was doing on a regular basis. It was like, okay, that's all been well and good and you'll do it again. But now's the time to really go deep because you're stuck inside by yourself in a cottage in a foreign place. And that's where I started to do the work. That's where I started to, I would literally just cry and unravel my identity and do all kinds of I am exercises and practice my self-love and self-compassion. And I started to just dismantle, you know, and unlearn piece by piece. And that's where it happened. You, I am exercises. I've never heard of that. And I'm like, that sounds like the most amazing thing to what, 
Can you go into that? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure well, there's I, lots of tools, but like you just you just piqued my interest with this one. What is an I am exercise? Yeah. So, well, as a coach, especially, you're gonna you're gonna love this one, and it's and it's really nothing more glorified than what I just said. Although I have to tell you, the other day, because one of my superpowers is creating language. You know, soldatical is one example. Um, I the other day was looking back on this I am poem, I guess for lack of a better word, that yeah. I wrote when I was training with Brene Brown. And I went back and I'm like, what if everybody wrote one of these? So I'll get to the one that I put in the book, which was yeah, the yeah. experience in uh, New Zealand. But I, I just suddenly the other day, this was like three days ago, I went, what if everybody had to write something called an I am manifesto? Oh, isn't that, a, and I was like, where, where did that come from? And honestly, language just comes through me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to use that. And honestly, I put this language out into the world because I want other people to use Sylvatical and use I am a festo. Like there's no pride of authorship here because I want to get a movement going where it's like, yeah, what if every one of us woke up every morning and we have as our touchstone, our own, I am a festo. It's like it's reminding us of our own core essence and uniqueness and gifts and power. Like, imagine that. I love that. Um, yeah. Again, it's so like actually... a little turn of phrase. Like, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, you almost you feel what it's about before you've even explained it. But that is really cool. Yeah. You know what I'm gonna what I'm doing right now is I was flipping through the book just to see if I can. In fact, I think I just found it. Um, I'm gonna read you what I wrote and uh, I just found it. Um, this is what I wrote. So basically, basically I was writing. You know, I was sitting there, so I'm like stuck in this cottage, and I'm like, well, wait, this isn't what I signed up for. And of course, as the universe, you know, would have it, of course it's what I signed up for, right? This was my time to do the work. It just didn't look like that's what we were talking about in our pre-conversation. It's like, like I love Brene's words. Like you will have an impact on the world, but it won't be on your terms or mm. on your timeline. So here we go. That's essentially what was happening to me in New Zealand. And so I'm sitting there writing my journal, like, who the F am I? Who the F am I? Who the F am I? Like, I was so frustrated because I was like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm okay. I'm a former executive. I don't have a title. No way. I'm chief soul officer because that's what I christened myself. And I was just having like all of this stuff. And I finally said, no, you know what? Like, it's time to stop that. It's time to talk about who I am in terms of my own powerful and innate qualities. And so I just wrote a list. So here's the I am exercise. It's a simple list of like who you are outside of like accolades and titles and other brands. And I asked myself this question, like what if the most powerful brand I could steward is the Shelly Paxton brand? Yeah. What if that's the most iconic brand I could ever represent in my life? And same for you, Brian, and same for anybody else who's listening to this. What if we started to think about our lives as like, I know not everybody's marketers and I'm coming at this from a marketing perspective, but what if that's the most important work I could ever do is represent my own personal brand? Yeah. And so that's kind of, that was the spirit behind doing this. So here's, here's what I wrote. I said, and believe me, I'd never, ever penned any of these words before, like down on a piece of paper. So I wrote, I am beautiful. I am sexy. I am soul. I am soft. I am funny. I am love. I am strength. I am integrity. I am courage. I am bold. I am brilliant. I am badass. 
I am a rebel. I am a role model. I am a trailblazer. I am a lighthouse. I am uniquely and authentically me. I am living my best life. And then the next morning I continued. I am not the shape of my body. I am not the titles I held. I am not the things that I did. I am not the mistakes that I made. I am not the appointments on my calendar. I am not the stories in my head. I am not the validation or judgment of others. I am me and I am enough. That is incredible. And I can totally see what, yeah, it still hits you, right? That's how you, that's how you know you've, you've really nailed it. But I can see the discomfort so many people would have with, especially the first few things you said about yourself. Oh my God. And even reading it out loud on a podcast, yeah. I'm like, well, especially edgy. Yeah. You can be like, well, this is just for me. No one's going to see this. God, I, no one can ever see this. And you published it. And that's, there's so much power and release in that. And yeah, there is. Yeah. And owning it. Right. And, and let's yeah. be honest. I mean, I talk about, I talk about this in the book too. So I wrote those things knowing inherently they're true and yet. I didn't really believe them at first. So I wrote them down and and that's why I say, I think having something like that, that I'm now calling the I am a festo for all of us as a touchstone every day, because I forced myself and it really was forcing in the early days to go back and read that list out loud every single morning Yeah, and read it and speak it until I believed it because this is a daily practice. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight and it's not necessarily inherent um, in us, but it really is. It's a commitment to say, no, I I want to understand that I am enough and to really truly get connected to my inherent worth because, yeah, I mean, struggling for worthiness outside of us is a lifelong hustle. This, uh, This is so necessary for everybody, like everybody. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't care how successful or um, self-loving you seem on the surface. Everyone can be more. The vast majority of us are are not quite, you know, not quite where we could be. Um, self-love is is not like too much self-love is not a problem. I actually find, and especially actually for people who seem to be self-absorbed, you find yeah. under the surface like it's hollow. There's nothing really there that they genuinely feel, and that's why they go overboard with all the self-praise. And um, this is really critical. Shelley. Yeah, it's making up for a lot of insecurities. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I just interrupted you. No, no, no. I just, I, I'm especially taken with the way that as you read that, it still hits you. And I think that's mm. that's a challenge we can ask ourselves is like when we do these exercises, you can phone it in. Like you can get it done. That has nothing to do with why you're doing it. It's not to be finished. And maybe it's the kind of thing that doesn't actually finish. It's something you continue to come back to and refine and think about and push yourself further on. But if it's not moving you consistently, no matter how many times you read it or repeat it to yourself every day, um, you got some more digging to do. That's right. It's like, keep asking, dig, dig deeper until you literally can't read that without feeling that lump in your throat or your heart pounding. Like all the things that just happened to me, I got really warm Yeah. as I was reading that. My heart was pounding as I was reading that because I know like it still has a visceral impact. Here's what's really interesting. I, I want to pick up on what you just said about the fact that, yes, this is like, 
this is a never ending journey, right? All of this work is a never ending journey. I mean, believe me, I still struggle with all of this stuff, but this is why I'm doing this work. So I have something to go back to. And, and I mentioned the Brene Brown work. So this I am, so she has at the end of her training, she has us write like an I am poem, right? And I found mine just the other day. This is when the I am a festo thing came to me. And I found it in my phone. I have it sitting here. So here's what I've now written nearly three and a half years later. So, well, three years later, right? I would have been and gotten back from New Zealand like a month and a half ago. Three years later, I write sitting in Brene's training, this is how things evolve. I am a free-spirited global citizen. I am a woman of wanderlust, 66 countries and counting. I am a proud corporate refugee, now liberator of souls. I am a bold, brave, and badass trailblazer, creator of movements. I am a rebel soul. I am enough. And so it's really cool to me to, like, I use both of those now, but I'm like, oh, I love seeing the evolution because I had to start with the real basics of the essence of who I am. And now I'm building on that foundation. So that's what I would encourage everybody to do. Play around with this because it's a really powerful way to reconnect with yourself. Yeah. And that word building is really critical. It's not built. It's never built. And if that's what you're looking mm-hmm. for, this life ain't a quick fix. And there's some real ain't stuff that, that yeah. <laughs> that's why when people are like, I just need to get through this. And then I'm like, and then something else. Cause it's not like it's just done. You have other you things have you other. face. So keep, keep growing with it. Um, Shelly, we get a, we get a, I'm going to quote Rich Roll. Who's like my idol, but, uh, we got to land this plane. Um, that doesn't, I can't, I can't take his line. Um, we got to bring this show to a close, but I do want to hit people with a little bit of this notion of soul badical, taking that space, that time to invest in and grow with yourself and see yourself for possibly the first time in at least your adult life. Um, you know, a lot of us, it's like once we're five, six years old and start to understand what responsibility and reality is like, and that you can't like ride on a multicolored unicorn and into space, um, we kind of lose that. And I love the way this can create that reconnection to then, I mean, right back to your initial point about rebelling for, it's how you can find what you're rebelling for. How does someone go into that journey? How do they start that process? Well, here's the beautiful thing. And we're, we're in a moment in time where as things are slowing down for most of us, and it is my hope that most of us are enjoying the slowing down, that we want to carry that into whatever comes next. My invitation to everyone is to start with an audit of your life. I mean, here, this, so two things I'll say. One, here's my most, my favorite, and I think one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself. What would change in my life right now if I were being 100% true to me? That's one question. And I find that that, you know, that's still like that gives me the shivers every time I hear it. The, The other one, and I use this in my coaching all the time, is what am I pretending not to know? Because the reality is when this was all happening to me at Harley, I didn't think everything was rosy. I definitely wasn't living the the unicorn dream that you just described. And yet 
I was trying to tamp it all down, push it down and not come to terms with it. So those two questions are powerful. And here's a quick exercise. Yeah. I call it, it is basically a life audit exercise. And you've probably seen versions of this. I call it the soul fuels versus the soul sucks exercise. So on a single sheet of paper, draw a line down the middle entitle the left-hand column soul fuels, right-hand column soul sucks. Give yourself 10 minutes, just stream of consciousness, no judgment, no editing in each of the column. Soul fuels is what lights you up? What, what gets you, you know, what gives you energy? What can you do for hours on end and time just flies by? What are those things that you just crave more of in your life? People, places, things, activities, and then the right-hand column, soul sucks, is the exact opposite. Those are the things that drain you of energy that you're most likely doing out of obligation, out of guilt. You know, you're shooting all over yourself, like I said earlier. And once you do that, take a step back and just take the list in and ask yourself, like, what inspires me? What scares me? What do I want more of and less of? Which of these lists is longer? Just start exploring it. It's a really great place to just call ourselves out, to be honest, and then yeah. to start to say, how do we get rid of more of those soul sucks so I can create more space for the things that truly bring me energy in my life, the things I want more of in my life? So I think that's a powerful starting point, that and those questions. That's awesome. And of course, people can get so much more of that and much more depth in your book, Soulbaticals. Can you... Tell us yes. about the book. Where can we get it? Digging yeah. deeper. You can get, well, and the, the great thing about the book is I call it part memoir, part manifesto, because I want to start this movement. I think I already have started this movement. I think so. And part interactive guide. So you're on the journey with me learning about my personal story, but the real intent of the book is then you start to turn the mirror on yourself. So after each section in the book, there are powerful soul search questions and exercises that you can do. So you can find this book on um, pretty much anywhere where books are sold right now. Um, I would also say for those people in the US, you can go to bookshop.org, which was created by publishers to help support the indie bookstores as they've been closed during the pandemic. So I personally love to support my local booksellers. So that's a great place. In fact, any book that you want to buy around, you know, around this time, or I think, I don't think they're going to be closing it anytime soon, but check out bookshop.org. You can find my books and my book and many others there. Um, and yeah, and you can also just go to soulbatical.com, which is my website. Soulbatical is spelled with two B's and one T. So you can get all the things. You can find out more about my book, my coaching, my, my newsletter, my content that I create, all that good stuff there. And, um, yeah, on, on Instagram as well. That's probably my playground at soulbatical on Instagram is my favorite place to be. Awesome. And I will link yeah. to all of that. And people who listen to the show are no strangers of, needing to figure out how to spell things. If you, <laughs> if you deal with my name, you get that. Um, that's exactly and right. I, my first yeah. email to you, I misspelled sabbatical because I just oh, assumed so the funny. second, cause there's two B's in sabbatical, but I just assumed, I don't know why that one of them dropped off, but yeah, soul you know plus what? sabbatical. I think that's the way it originally was. And then some things happened along the journey and I was like, Oh, well, I'm just going to own the two B's. It's really weird, but yeah, why not? And also, by the way, for, for, you know, your, your business folks, I, um, I love LinkedIn as well. So you can just find me as Shelly Paxton on LinkedIn. Shelly has cool. an EY. So, yeah. And I will link to all of that stuff. Okay, perfect. And the book. And I love your call out to support these local businesses that 
are a part of the community. Like this is where authors go to speak. This is where kids go to get read to. Um, yeah, they, they and they need to they need to continue to exist. So we should be supporting yeah. them. So that's really and beautiful. And it's so cool. They I just went on it the other day. They've already raised like over two million bucks, and that's maybe awesome. it's even higher than that now. Yeah, to to really support those guys as they start to reopen. So I'm excited. Yeah, please support cool. them if you can. Um, Shelly, you're incredible. I'm so glad we got connected. And we you. could we could have made this a four hour episode pretty easily. Um, I think we'll one of us or both of us would again. be crying. Yeah. Um, are you ready to help me close the show out? I am. All right. Today is a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shelly. Thank you. Take care, Brian. You too. What a cool bit of inspiration for each of us to take forward, to take that time, to make that space to investigate our own soul. And I love that exercise where we can do the side by side. I've done that in some different ways in different contexts, but this is perhaps a bit more personal. I love that. What's sucking from versus fueling your soul. And then just step back, look at that and reflect. That's awesome advice. Um, Definitely check Shelly out, soulbatical.com, S-O-U-L-B-B-A-T-I-C-A-L. Of course, it's linked in the show notes and you can follow her on social media there and you can pick up the book, Soulbatical. I've linked to the Amazon listing for it because when I went to find the bookshelf.org listing, I couldn't find it. I actually found their site's not available. So I don't know if that's a short-term thing or long-term thing. It's a beautiful idea. So of course, like check it out. Um, Give it a try. Maybe it's back up and running when you hear this. Maybe not. I hope they're still around. It sounds like if it was short-lived, they certainly did a great job bringing in support for those local booksellers. And if it's still kicking, even better. But check it out. Hopefully it's it's around and, and was just kind of a short-term thing. Um, but at least when I checked to do the show notes, it wasn't available. So I'm sorry about that. And I should have said this in the intro. There's something funky going on with my audio. It's like cutting in and out. Um, I tried to clean that up as best as I could, but you can't always make everything perfect. And I'm not an audio engineer, so I did the best I could. But if you noticed, if you noticed like an up and down or cutting in and out anywhere, apologies for that. Um, I haven't had that issue any other time in like 120 plus recordings. So hopefully it was just a one-time fluke or something weird I was doing that I've never done otherwise. But either way, um, sorry for that if that was a bother. And there was some background noise on Shelly's part as well here and there. Um, anyway, the joys of recording these things over the internet, you got to deal with what you got to deal with. And hopefully it's okay for everybody. If this resonated for you, please do share the show with others. That is so unbelievably important to spread the message of Do A Day. And you can do that by rating and reviewing the show on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Of course, subscribe, but send a link to the show to a friend. Tell them about it. Tell them, hey, go search for Do A Day podcast, and I promise you they will find it easily. Or you can just send them to doadaybook.com or doadaybook.com slash podcast if you want to get even more specific, but I'm sure they can find it. And while I've got you, there's still special pricing on the Do A Day Masterclass. If you've been thinking about taking these lessons in, doing that work, maybe you've got a soulbatical plan and you want some more tools to help you through that process. The Masterclass is normally $8.97. It was on sale 
for just 49 bucks for a while, but that price is no longer available, but it's still available at just 149. And I think I'm going to do that through the end of the year, but that's not that far off. So if you're curious about it, grab the course, you will have access to it for the long haul. You don't have to start it today. That's okay. And maybe you've got something planned around the holidays, you can take some time and put it in. That's fine. Just because you buy today doesn't mean you have to start it today. But you should start it. And you should do that work because you deserve it. And I think Shelly made that clear to all of us. So it's just $149, still special price versus $897's regular price. And I would love to see you guys sign up there because I know that means you're taking the message into your own life to make your situation even better. All right, go check out the masterclass, doadaybook.com. You'll see a link to masterclass or you can get it from brianfelter.com and just click on courses. And with that, I hope you go out and do it. Thanks, everyone.